Welcome to Living Truth Radio, a ministry of Living Truth Christian Fellowship with Pastor Michael Lands. It's our goal to build up believers and to reach out with God's truth to all people. And now, here's Pastor Michael. 1 Samuel chapter 5, 23. Now the lords of the Philistines assembled to offer a great sacrifice to Dagon, their god, Judges 16, 23, and to rejoice, for they said, Our God has given who? Samson, our enemy, into our hands. And when the people saw him, they praised their God, for they said, Our God has given our enemy into our hands, even the destroyer of our country, who has slain many of us. The credit for the defeat of Samson under the spell of Delilah is ultimately given to Dagon. That's when all the lords assemble and God renews uh, um, Samson's strength. So you got First and Second Samuel to your right, First and Second Kings, and First and Second Chronicles. Go to First Chronicles chapter one. This is the other reference to Dagon. First Chronicles one, in verse First uh, Chronicles one, chapter ten. First Chronicles one ten. Excuse me. I keep saying one ten. I'm sorry. First Chronicles ten verse one. <laughs> First Chronicles ten one. Now the Philistines. First Chronicles 10.1 fought against Israel and the men of Israel fled before the Philistines and fell slain on Mount Gaboa. And the Philistines closely pursued Saul and his sons and the Philistines struck down Jonathan, Abinadab, Malchishua, the sons of Saul. First Chronicles 10.3 and the battle became heavy against Saul and the archers overtook him and he was wounded by the archers. Then Saul said to his armor bearer, draw your sword and thrust me through with it, lest these uncircumcised come and abuse me. But his armor bearer would not, for he was greatly afraid. Therefore Saul took his sword and fell on it. When his armor bearer saw that Saul was dead, he likewise fell on his sword and died. Thus Saul died with his three sons, all, uh, and all those of his house died together. When all the men of Israel who were in the valley saw that they had fled, and that Saul and his sons were dead, they forsook their cities and fled. And the Philistines came and lived in them. And it came about the next day when the Philistines came to strip the slain, they found Saul and his sons fallen on Mount Goboa. So they stripped him and took his head and his armor and sent messengers around the land of the Philistines to carry the good news, would you notice, to their idols and to the people. And they put his armor in the house of their gods and fastened his head in the house of Dagon. When all Jabesh-Gilead heard that all that the Philistines had done to Saul, all the valiant men arose. They took away the body of Saul and the bodies of his sons. They brought them to Jabesh, buried their bones under the oak in Jabesh and fastened, excuse me, and fasted seven days. And so Saul died for his trespass which he committed against the Lord because of the word of the Lord, which he did not keep, and also because he asked counsel of a median, making inquiry of it, and did not inquire of the Lord. Therefore he killed him and turned the kingdom to David, the son of Jesse. I just want you to see that, if you go back to 1 Samuel, that the prominence of Dagon among the Philistines and these things that occur uh, by his hand pretty radical. Credit is given to him uh, for these victories over God's people. Uh, 
And now, where is the Ark of the Covenant? It's right in the house of Dagon, the fish god. Uh, there's some history when you look at Dagon that does connect uh, the idea of Dagon to the book of Jonah. The uh, Ninevites were supposed to have worshipped a god or a goddess named Nan- Nanshi or Nanshi. And uh, this was supposed to be a fish god uh, connected perhaps to Dagon. And, and what's the story of Jonah? He gets swallowed up by a great fish. And there was some legend in the area that the whole, the whole area was established. Nineveh, the capital of Assyria, was established by a man who came out of the sea and taught, him what they sh- taught them what they should do. And so when Jonah shows up being regurgitated out of the belly of a fish, do you think that he's got the Ninevites' attention? Their whole life and, and religion is built upon the, these fish stories. And I, I literally mean fish stories, right? And so Jonah shows up in this miraculous way and uh, he begins to preach 40 days and Nineveh will be destroyed. He begins to preach about the truth of the God of the Bible. The God of the Bible is a God of mighty power. The, the book of Exodus in chapter 15, verse 11 says, Who is like you among the gods after he routed Pharaoh's army, O Lord? Who is like thee, majestic in holiness, awesome in praises, working wonders? Exodus 14, 31 says, When Israel saw the great power which the Lord had used against the Egyptians, the people feared the Lord, and they believed in the Lord and in his servant Moses. God is a God of incredible power. Now you can experience his power in a couple different ways. They're optional. They're on the menu. You can experience his power via the Holy Spirit. You can experience his life-changing power and new life in Christ. You can become a new creation in Jesus Christ. You can experience the breath of God, the power of God, the deliverance of God. Or, if you want to choose on the other side of the menu, you can choose the power of God to be judged by God. His power is actually manifested both ways. But there's actually a third reality in the Bible. The power of God is sometimes stayed Sometimes he doesn't do what he has every right to do. He is patient and kind. It was said of Jesus that he was meek. He said of himself, I am meek. What does that mean? Power, what? Under control. So when we become Christians, God's power begins to flood our life. And what God asks us to do with that power is to use it for good. Do you know that many people who get involved in the occult do it for one reason? For the promise of power. Power to control circumstances. Power to control people. Power to change uh, maybe even habits that you want to break. Power to maybe uh, a promise to to live forever or whatever. There's so many people who desire power. You're not going to get any more power than from the God of the Bible. And what he does is he wants you to use it for his glory. And there are people all over the place. I mean, think of all these ancient people who were trying to appease these gods. They lived in fear of these gods. They, they felt like the gods fought each other. And then, then if they captured your god, they bring it into the temple of their god. And now here is the ark, 
the holy vessel of the temple. And there it is sitting in Dagon's house. And when the Ashdodites arose early the next morning, 1 Samuel 5, so now notice that the ark of God, it's brought into the house of Dagon and it's set by Dagon. I don't know the exact positioning of the ark and Dagon, but Dagon, he seems to be on a pedestal somehow. Remember, he's a half fish, half man God. If you Google Dagon, you'll see some ancient uh, inscriptions of him and he he seems to be uh, almost like a mermaid type of uh, God where he's got a fish bottom and he's got a human top, but he's he's a male God. And so here's the ark and here's Dagon. Now the Ashdodites, when they arose early the next morning, behold, something happened during the night. Dagon had fallen on his face to the ground before the ark of the Lord. The word Lord is Yahweh. So they took Dagon and set him in his place again. It reminds me of, was it Howard Cosell, when he announced that Frazier had been knocked out by Ali? Down goes Frazier! Down goes Frazier! Well, I don't know if somebody walked in with a microphone. Down goes Dagon! Down goes Dagon! The position of Dagon is quite insightful. Dagon had fallen on his face. Now, when you see somebody on their face, this is one way of expressing worship. Remember that the whole thought of the Philistines was their God was stronger than the God of Israel, and the God of Israel was going to become subservient to Dagon, even perhaps worship Dagon and be positioned in his pantheon. But when they wake up early in the morning, probably just a couple sips of coffee, walk into the temple of their God, something interesting has occurred. For Dagon appears to be worshiping Yahweh. He's on his face before the ark of the living God. The Bible says in Philippians 2 that before Jesus Christ, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Dagon had fallen I have to go there. And he couldn't get up. I don't think he had one of those things. And his servants had to prop him up again. I just have some news. It should seem quite obvious. If you have to help your God back up again and place him back on his pedestal, you may want to reconsider your God. I thought he was supposed to help you when you fall. Not you help him when he falls. I'm so glad I have a God that helps me when I fall on my face. I heard a faith teacher some years ago say that he made some trips to heaven. And uh, one story he told was that he was in heaven consoling Jesus because Jesus had had a bad day. And he had to make Jesus feel better. So he he took the elevator trip up to heaven because Jesus, it'll be all right, Jesus. Things are going to get better, Jesus. That's not only heresy, that's blasphemy. Right? Well, the the priest of Dagon, they they start scurrying around and they, they need to help their God. If you go to Isaiah 46 for a second, Isaiah 46. 
God has a lot to say about idols. And if you read uh, Isaiah chapters 40 through 48, you'll see God comparing himself to the false gods of the nations and really questioning Israel and saying to them, why do you keep choosing dead gods over the living God? When we studied the book of Isaiah, we had to ask ourselves this question. Why do we keep choosing dead gods over the living God? Now, I use the term we loosely, but you can see how it's very easy for a people to move away from the God of the Bible. We could talk about the church, we could talk about the nation, but the bottom line is God was challenging the false gods. And in Isaiah 46, if you look at verse 1 with me, Isaiah 46, 1. Bel has bowed down, Nebo stoops over. Their images are consigned to the beasts and the cattle. The things that you carry are burdensome, a load for the weary beast. In Isaiah 46, 1, God is comparing the false gods to the burdens they put on people. Let me just say to you that idolatry is not a neutral choice that you make. Idols weigh you down and they will cost you. Because the idol is nothing in the world, but Paul says in 1 Corinthians 10, if an idol is anything, it is demonic. And it's not there to rescue you because it can't, because it's void of life. But if it can do anything, if there's any power in it at all, it's demonic. They stooped over, 46.2. They have bowed down together. They could not rescue the burden, but have themselves gone into captivity. Listen to me, O house of Jacob, and all the remnant of the house of Israel, you who have been born by me from birth and have been carried from the womb, even to your old age I shall be the same. And even to your graying years, some of you need to mark that, <laughs> Just wanted to see the reaction. I shall be the same. Even to your graying years, I shall bear you. I have done it. I shall carry you. I shall bear you. You don't have to carry me. God says in Psalm 50, if I were hungry, I wouldn't call you. I own the cattle in a thousand hills. Every bird of the air is mine. Look. You thought I was like you? I will rebuke you. I'll reprove you and set things in order. I think that some of our friends in, in religions that demote God and elevate man need to read that psalm. God says, I'm not calling you if I'm hungry. I own everything. An idol demotes God and it elevates the idol or it elevates man. And God says, to whom, verse 5, will you liken me? Would you liken me? And make me equal and compare me. That's what's happening in the house of Dagon. They're side by side, but God says there's no comparison that we should be alike. Those who lavish gold from the purse and weigh silver on the scale will hire a goldsmith and he, makes, he, and he makes it into a god. And they bow down. Indeed, they worship it. Notice this. They lift it up. They lift it upon the shoulder and carry it They set it in its place and it stands there. It does not move from its place. Though one may cry to it, it cannot answer. It cannot deliver him from his distress. And then notice, 
Remember this. and Be assured, recall it to mind, you transgressors. Remember the former things long past, for I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is no one like me. I'm sorry to our friends that we talk to and they say, look, I'm a sincere religious person and you know, it's all the same and all gods are alike. I'm sorry. That's a lie. It's a lie. You know why I know that? I just read you a passage where God says, you can't compare me to any other God. No other God is my equal. You will have no other gods before me. I am God. And by the way, he says over and over again in these chapters, and there is none other. He has cornered the market on deity. Now that's not a popular message, but you can see how the enemy of our souls has twisted a lie that all religions are the same. They're all going to lead you to the same place. All that really matters is sincerity. And the Bible says the direct opposite of that. But that is narrow. That is too restrictive. That is bigoted in some people's opinion. But the fact is, that is the truth. And Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, get this, and no one, no one is coming to the Father except through me. Now that's either true or it's not. But if we're playing games with language or how you end up getting to God, then that's all we're doing. At best is playing games and at worst we're just, it's just a downright lie. In Psalm 115, when the psalmist, go back at just a few books, writes about idols, he says that this is the implication of worshiping idols. Psalm 115.1 Not to us, O Lord, not to us, but to thy name give glory. Psalm 115.1 Because of thy loving kindness, because of thy truth, why should the nation say, where now is their God? But our God is in the heavens. He does whatever he pleases. Psalm 115, verse 4. Contrast, their idols are silver and gold, the work of man's hands. They have mouths, but they cannot speak. They have eyes, but they cannot see. They have ears, but they cannot hear. They have noses, but they cannot smell. They have hands, but they cannot feel. They have feet, but they cannot walk. They cannot make a sound with their throat. Those who make them will become like them. Everyone who trusts in them. And then Israel is exhorted, O Israel, trust in the Lord, the real God. He is their help and what? He's their shield. Look, if you want true refuge, then you've got to go to the God, back to 1 Samuel, who is true. And stick to what he says about himself, whether popular in culture or not. Dagon and all the other gods that people banty about are not the answer. And if you follow them or you make them, the warning from the Bible is you will become like them. Lifeless, dead, unable to produce really anything. You'll just be all show and nothing inside. How many plastic people do you know? They've become like the things that they worship, whether it's the God of money or pleasure or whatever it is. They've become that. 
These things, these choices in life have significant implications. And the Bible makes it clear that if you worship Yahweh, the true God, you become what? Like him. You become like the God you serve. That's why as a Christian, we should stand out as different because we're representing the true and the living God. So the priests have scurried and they, they set Dagon back in place. Uh, maybe no worse for wear, maybe a few scuff marks and you know, maybe they got some touch-up paint and set them back in there. All right, are you good? Yeah, you good? Good. I don't know. He's wobbling a little bit. Hey, you good? Dagon, you good? I don't know. He's not talking right now. He might be upset. So 1 Samuel 5, 4 says, When they arose early the next morning, behold, Dagon had fallen on his face to the ground before the ark of the Lord, and the head of Dagon... And both the palms of his hands were cut off on the threshold. Only the trunk of Dagon was left to him. Uh, Dagon had become truncated. (laughs) For those of you who like words, just love that. When we say something is truncated, we mean that we've kind of shortened the story. Dagon lost a little height. He's truncated. Anyway. I never thought I would be a person who would come to appreciate language like that. When Brenda and I first got married, she was the one with the vocabulary. And I walk around, (laughs) what's going on? Right? And then she says, you studied all this theology for 25 years. Now you got all these words. T-I-O-N, endings, epistemology, theology, consecration, (laughs) truncated. (laughs) What in the world are you talking about? Anyway. (laughs) Notice that Dagon, both the palms of his hands were cut off, where? On the threshold. Do you know that in ancient times, the threshold had very great significance because the threshold was the place that separated the holy from the normal or the, the unholy kind of secular, if you will, world. But when you crossed the threshold, you crossed into the holy place. As a matter of fact, covenants were made in the threshold and when the groom would carry the bride over the threshold, it was a sign of the covenant. He'd, he'd carry her over it. Uh, even the Israelites, when they put the blood on the doorpost and lentil, they, they did that on the threshold of their home. Their home was protected and it was sealed, if you will, by the blood of the lamb. So God has allowed this to occur right on the threshold. And only, the literal language is only Dagon remained on him or the Septuagint says only Dagon's spine was left. He had no head, no hands. I would say he was spineless anyway, but cut off just laying there broken fish bones devastated (laughs) so get this so okay your God's laying there right now if you found your God two days in a row like this would you consider switching gods would you take a fresh look at the ark and say you know 
given the position of our God and now the fact that he's broken, <laughs> he, it doesn't appear that the God of Israel is worshiping our God. It appears that our God, fish man, <laughs> is worshiping Yahweh. What in the world is going on here? Thank you for listening to today's program. If you'd like to listen to this message again, learn more about our church in Corona, or to access archived messages, go to livingtruthradio.org and click on the church tab. You can follow us on Instagram at livingtruthcorona or download the Living Truth Christian Fellowship app on Apple and Android devices. Living Truth Radio is a listener-supported ministry. You can partner with us by donating at livingtruthradio.org. He becomes a picture of all those who worship idols, and all those who worship idols will one day bow before the true God, and yet they will be broken. But if you if you will be broken over your sin now, if you will be contrite, which does have the idea of being crushed because of your sin and the holiness of God, if you will be broken before him, he won't reject you. A contrite heart, he won't reject he will he will come and you might be at at that point right now maybe you are broken maybe you've seen your life fall apart recently and and you feel like man i'm on my face and i'm broken and i don't know what to do this is the best time to look up my friend because often in, in times like this this is when we we are forced to look up we're forced in our brokenness to find healing outside of ourselves And the true God, who loved you so much that he sent his son, Jesus Christ, into this world, he can bring ultimate healing to your soul. You see, he himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, on the cross, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds, we were healed. All of us were like sheep going astray, but now, now, We've returned to the shepherd and guardian of our souls. Jesus is the good shepherd. He laid down his life for his sheep. And if you want to become one of his sheep, if you want to follow the good shepherd, if you want him to lead you to green pastures and quiet waters and to restore your soul, now's your time. Are you a prodigal? Have you been running away from God? Did you turn from the living God to false gods? Are you broken? You can be restored. He can make you whole again. He can put the broken pieces of your life back together if you will trust in him you see you're not listening by accident my friend you have tuned into this station because the living god is calling you by name will you hear his voice will you turn to him and be saved that's what he wants he wants to heal you he he's shown you the truth so that you can be set free he wants you to be in heaven he wants you to know the power of his resurrection so trust in him today Thank you for listening to today's program. Our mission is to get the truth of God's Word out. This is our passion. We want to impact as many people as possible. And we have an opportunity to expand this radio program, and we need you, the listener, to partner with us in prayer and in giving. You can give to our ministry through our website at livingtruthcorona.org. That's livingtruthcorona.org.